Human design is a part science, part spiritual system that tells you who you came here to be. You have your own blueprint, your own way of becoming successful, your own way your dreams are going to come true, the way you'll experience the most joy and fulfillment. The instruction manual for how to move through the world is custom to you. When you act according to that manual, when you act as the real you, everything in life comes to you with more ease and less resistance. We all know we're different, yet we're still acting like there's one way to do life. Let's talk about it. To find out your design and the designs of the people in your life, you can visit myhumandesign.com or download the My Human Design app in the App Store and on Google Play. You know, when we first learn about human design, there's so many aspects of it and so many elements that it can be so overwhelming. But what's cool is to remember that even if you grew up so far away from who you are, there's probably a couple of different aspects that you're already living. So I think it's quite helpful sometimes to just like look around and be like, oh, what are the things I already naturally do? You know what I mean? Because even if you've gotten so far away from yourself, you probably still have some kind of connection to something. So I'll give you an example. Like my dad is very unfamiliar with his human design, right? Um, but one of the things he naturally does is he's someone who doesn't like eating dinner and his um, digestion is direct light. So that is someone who's supposed to be kind of eating mostly in the daytime and not in the evenings. And um, he's recently just started embracing fasting. And you know how most people would fast like in the morning, like intermittent fast, get breakfast. He naturally, without reading about it or knowing about it, or whatever, just like intuitively organically what he felt like doing was skipping dinner and he started skipping dinner in the last like three months not every night but just on the nights when they're like not going out for dinner him and my my mom or the nights when it's kind of easy and it's exactly what we talk about when we talk about why digestion and human design is important because obviously his health feels better but he talks about like the mental clarity, the answers, the quality of sleep, um, how much easier it is to feel connected in his meditations and like all that sort of thing. And so I feel like it's so cool because yeah, no matter how far away you get from yourself, there's always going to be that universe like signaling to you. Like it does, that voice doesn't go away of being like, yeah, just like, here's what to do. If you want to feel better, skip dinner. Whereas like, I would never come up with that. And I'm the opposite indirect. Like, like for me to skip dinner would be like hell, you know, but that's organically what feels like doable to me. So I think it's so cool to just remember what we feel like doing is always the right way even if we don't have all the evidence to support it even if it's not what everyone else is doing just like sometimes it will just and it will just come through your body yeah it's so funny that you say that because my mom also has direct light and she just learned about it and she was telling me last week taylor my whole life every morning your dad wakes up and he the first thing he says to me is what's what do you what are we having for dinner and it's always irritated me because dinner is my least favorite meal of the day. She was like, I could never eat dinner. I could eat breakfast all day. I could eat for, I want to eat first thing in the morning when I wake up. But by the end of the day, I'm just like, so over it. I just don't want to do it. And I read it on my chart recently that I'm direct light and it makes so much sense. And um, wow. so, yeah, it's just so crazy. She's like, she's in her fifties and she's being reaffirmed something that she's intuitively felt her whole life, but never been validated that she could just do it that way. 
So she's been exploring that recently. Wow. And you know, there's one that's amazing that you can see with kids straight away. It's digestion because you'll find those kids that only, um, you know, they want to finish all their carrots before they move on to their chicken. And, you know, when like parents separate the plates, you know, and they, the ones that are like, um, consecutive appetite or whatever, they literally will find themselves like naturally doing that. Um, or for example, me, like I remember being a kid and being forced to eat three courses at breakfast. Like there was always fruit, cereal and toast and feeling like it was such a production, you know what I mean? And, then I remember being, you know, a, a grown, like a more of a grown up kid, like being 13 or whatever. And the first time we skipped breakfast, um, when I had a sleepover at someone's house and we were like running really late and the mom was like, I've just given you money to buy, um, extra, um, it's like in England, we call it tuck. It's like the 11, 11 AM kind of snack in, um, in break. She's like, I've just given you guys extra money to buy more in, in the break. And I remember literally like a light bulb going off in my brain being like, oh, there's people that live this way. Like this is, this is normal to other people. And sometimes it is something as silly and banal as that when you have this like specific frame that you think in your mind, everyone lives this, uh, this specific way. Sometimes all you need is to see that someone is doing the entire thing that is exactly what you would dream of doing to just open up your, your mind's perception of what's possible in the world and all the different options that are available to you. For me, it was sleep. Like when I was little, I just loved sleeping and my whole family is manifesting generators and generators. And so they're all just like, just, they have so much energy. And for me, I just wanted to kind of like cocoon a lot more. And Mm -hmm. when I learned I was a projector, all like all of a sudden, it just felt like so validating of this natural need for me to have more rest than the manifesting generators and generators in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it was very liberating. Yeah. And, you know, even to this day, like when they say you should get seven to nine hours of sleep, if I didn't know what I know now, I would feel like I, maybe I have a health issue because I like to sleep 10 hours a night, you know, or maybe there's something wrong with me or maybe me going to bed late without, if I didn't know I was in direct light digestion, I'd be like, maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I need to rise with the sun and, you know, like all this stuff that we read, that we, that we then create this picture that everyone else is living according to these perfect rules, but we're the ones struggling with them. And if we just do those rules that everyone else um, is doing, and it's apparently we think it's working for everybody else, which it isn't, then that's going to fix our problems. So it's so liberating to just remind ourselves of these stories of how other people are finding just inching their way more and more towards alignment and just doing life their way. You were telling me too recently how um, you wanted to share on the podcast about being a person who experiences negative emotions in a beautiful way. I think that's mm. another example of you embracing an aspect of your human design. So do you oh, want to yeah. share with us about that? Yeah, so 100%. So one of the big things about what we are going through right now as a collective, like one of the big lessons that we're learning is that the solar plexus center has taken such a um, a center stage to our collective evolution. You know, we didn't used to have um, an emotional center. That's like one of the newer centers that has developed um, out of the seven chakras. We now have emotions being such a forefront of um, what we do. And we, we spoke about the other one, which is the G center. And that one is like a really advanced, actually quite a woo woo esoteric center. Um, and we did a whole episode on that um, in the Q and a of the app recently. 
But with the emotional center, the reason why we have emotionals and non-emotionals is to actually bond us closer to each other. So in the sharing of our feelings and in the feeling each other's feelings and in being able to transmit as an emotional how I feel to you and have you feel that and have it reflected back at me from you, like that's all there ultimately for the purpose of us bonding us feeling things and also adding color to life because if there was no emotions everything is actually neutral so it's it's not what happens to us that makes our life feel delicious it's how we feel about what happens to us and the opposite too mhm totally and actually we we need the whole spectrum right so the conditioning of the world is that positive emotions someone who's happy is like good to be around and someone who's sad is like don't be around them or if they're going through a hard time don't be around them or like you see someone who's in a mood and you're like oh what's wrong with you are you okay you know but actually one of the things that i'm really learning and i knew this kind of mentally before but i'm really learning it in the practical application is that when someone is feeling something and is completely okay with how they feel it's not an imposition for us to be around them so i'll give you the example when my sister who i adore and love is going through something difficult and she's so open with me about it it is an honor and a pleasure to witness that and it is beautiful that she lets me in and it's amazing to get to sit in it together and be with it together and feel my heart be open from that and feel what she's feeling from that and it actually makes us closer when she lets me into that very intimate piece of her heart on the opposite side of the spectrum there's nothing more repelling and nothing more disconnecting than a person who's in a funk who's pretending to be okay <laughs> right because right. that's totally. no connection to the heart that's closed heart that's that's what repels people is actually not the emotion whether it's positive or negative it's actually the degree to which they're able to be open hearted with what they whatever's going on in their lives. And so we have been taught to shut down our negative emotions because we think that that's going to make people not want to be around us or that that's make means that we're imposing on someone or oh my god we're going to put it on someone else. But actually that person is responsible for whatever they feel and take on from you, right? If they don't want to be around your sadness, that's fine. But actually you will find you'll be surprised by how much of a gift it is to witness someone who is completely in their sadness and alchemizing it. And it's it's literally becomes like a drug. Like you can't get enough of being around someone who is just completely in wherever they are. Like think about kids who have zero visibility on their moods being imposing on other people or apologizing for how they feel. Like you just feel so much tenderness towards kids that seem upset. You want to go pick them up, you want to hug them, you want to feel it with them, you want to be in it. I mean, also as adults, we can learn so much from what other people are going through. We can relate, we can empathize. It awakens something in us when, you know, we realize something about the time we felt that, we last felt that way. We become closer, we bond. It's it's those things that make us feel like, oh, I really understood that person in a deeper way than just, hey, how are you? How's it going? Oh my God, yeah, great. Da, 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 da. Like when someone lets you into something that they're really going through, that's what makes you feel closer to people. And we all are dying for this level and depth of connection now. So I say all of this to say, don't ever apologize for your moods. Don't ever close them down. Don't ever um, kind of try to protect other people by not sharing what's going on with you. Actually, um, 
it should be on other people to say, do you know what? Like I'm super busy right now. I, you know, can't be with you for this moment or I'm overwhelmed myself or whatever. And how amazing, like someone's sad and someone else is overwhelmed and you've communicated around that. It's beautiful, but you should never ever hide and pretend to be happy because you think that the negative, the down moments, the sad moments, the grief, the pain is an imposition or a, um, something negative for other people. It's actually a positive. You even said to me recently too, which was really helpful for me as a non-emotional who, you know, I do feel other people's emotions. And I also tend to be someone um, with other parts of my design that wants to try to fix people's situations. And you Mm -hmm. said to me recently um, not to take away people's negative emotions or negative experiences because I forget how you said it, but that they are what sort of alchemize. Do you remember what you said to me? Yeah. Share that. Yeah, it was basically, I had this aha moment recently where I was like, if humans learn the most from not just their most challenging moments, but when they really feel the challengingness of that moment, when they really get tired of their own bullshit, or when they really hit a rock bottom, or they really feel it is an uncomfortable feeling, and that that is the universe's perfect mechanism of getting us to change, then imagine what we're trying to do when we try to fix things for people is we are actually depriving people of feeling that perfect mechanism, which is the most powerful way for them to transform. So when we try to fix other people, when we try to tiptoe around other people, when we try to pretend, we are depriving them of that sacred turning point, that the light that the universe is trying to give them and we're interfering. Yeah. And I think for me, I, as a non-emotional, it would sometimes make me really uncomfortable to be around people experiencing that. But mm. in the same way that you're explaining that emotionals need to be more comfortable with those negative emotions or any spectrum of the emotions, I think it's also important for someone like me, a non-emotional, to be comfortable being around people with those emotions too. Because I can also, from my side, even if you're so comfortable being in your emotions, if I'm around you and I'm feeling them and I'm really taking them on as my own and not okay and not knowing that I'm picking up on you and that I have the ability to sort of flush that out and sort of observe it and play in your soup kind Mm -hmm. of thing, Mm -hmm. then I can have a, like not a good experience in being around you. But really like when I'm comfortable feeling your stuff too, and knowing that it colors my life, Mm -hmm. then it is more of like a beautiful way that we get to experience that together. Yeah. And as a non-emotional, your work and the work of all non-emotionals is to understand that since you can't generate this wave yourself, um, the only thing that makes it negative is when you create a story around it about it's bad to feel this way or it's uncomfortable for me to feel this way or whatever. Whereas actually you can just practice like, let me just witness this understanding that it's a separate thing to me and I'm just temporarily letting it course through my body. Then it becomes really fascinating. You're like, oh, this is a person feeling sadness. And you know, there's also a lot of non-emotionals who go the other way and they get addicted to other people's emotions. So on the one hand for you, you might be wanting to um, kind of distance yourself from feeling other people's emotions, but it can also swing the other way with conditioning for non-emotionals where they just get so over-identified with the story that they get hooked in and they can't get enough. So for both for both sides of the coin, both both ends of the extreme, the work is like, let me witness it. 
let me see the pleasure, the inspiration, the connection, the color that it brings to life, and what it teaches me about humans, what it teaches me about life, what it makes me think to do, the way it makes me see my perspective differently. But just let it come as a visitor and let it leave as a visitor and not create a story around what it means about you, what it means about your life, um, or mistaking it as being your own. Yeah. And I do too. I also think that's something having this understanding helps not just in your personal relationships, but I actually think it's something that makes our even work life more richer because something I say to you all the time is like, thank you for treating me like a human. Like, thank you for letting me just be a human. And that's something so special about the dynamic that I feel like we have in our Mm. work environment too. Yeah. Well, I think that's, it's so funny because sometimes the thing that you feel like you didn't get is the thing that you become hell bent on trying to provide (laughs) and for better or for worse, because I grew up, you know, me being so deeply emotional and having my, um, my son personality gifts. That means my main gift in life is gift 19. So that is about sensitivity. It's about feeling other people's needs. It's about feeling into others. It's about Mm -hmm. being really sensitive. And I don't mean, I don't mean sensitive, like, um, an emotional snowflake. Like I have emotional resilience, I would say, but it's about, um, just being very porous and being very, um, sensitized to life. Right. So, fabrics affect me deeper sounds affect me deeper everything is more um everything is more three-dimensional but it also means that everything is also more jarring right so the edges are are are, um more sharpened in everything in in life and everything that i feel everything i see everything i touch and so on so because i feel things in such a magnified way and because my biggest pain point i guess as a child was not being, not getting the education around understanding what that was or what to do with it. I'm now hell bent on, and I've made a career out of it, but also with the way that we work is I'm, I'm so, um, I'm so passionate about letting all of us have our human side rather than just, oh, it's this like weird thing that when you start working, you have to become this like persona that isn't your real self. Like, for us, like, okay, well, if you're going through a grief or Jane is feeling something or she's going through a frustration, like we have to trust that there's a perfect flow of life and that there's something that we can all um, not necessarily learn from it, but also just like it's going to affect us positively if we let it. So how do I, instead of trying to stop what's happening to you, why don't we face it and all adjust to it? Because it's trying to give you something, which means it's trying to give me something, which means, you know, we're also interconnected. So it only benefits us if we allow everyone to feel what they're feeling, go through what they're going through. And not in like a pity party type of way, but just like, oh, if today is not the day that um, we're going to do a certain project because something's happened to you, which, you know, you've been through a, a ton of stuff recently. Why would I try and force it on like some artificial timeline rather than go with what your feelings and your life um, is dictating to a certain extent? You know, listen, it always has to be balanced with like, of course, you know, we're, we're not snowflaking ourselves around here. But at the same time, like we have to work with our humanness and not against it. And I do think that creates better alignment for how you work with other people. Yeah. And do you think that that does, because we talk about life themes and how 
people always ask, like, how do they infuse their life theme into various aspects of their life? Do you think that has to do with your life theme being about like nourishing the tribe? So that's kind of the kind of leader that you are. A hundred percent. And that's kind of comes back to, um, about not becoming a persona in your work life. It's like when you, your life theme is your, the purpose of your life in human design. And as far as the universe is concerned, the purpose of your life is something that you're supposed to apply your essence is something you're supposed to shine in whatever situation you're in, whether it's work, whether it's in the grocery store, whether it's with your family, your kids or whatever, right. It's, it's always the same flavor of human that you're supposed to bring to the table. Cause that's your, that's your gift. That's your karma. That's your essence. So knowing your life theme and and allowing that to inform how you shop in every role that you play in life is going to make every role better. So instead of being like the perfect leader looks like this or the perfect mom looks like this, we in human design, we reverse engineer it because we say, if my gift is about explaining things, which yours is, for example, Taylor, like how can I bring more of that energy to my marriage, to my work, to my whatever. And, you know, it's the the joke that we have, and I, we laugh about this all the time is that, you know, I never know what to title any of us. Cause we just kind of just flow and figure it out as we go along, but we call you the COE cause your, <laughs> cause your life theme is the cross of explanation. So it's like a play on CEO. <laughs> yeah. But that's what you do. And you bring that, um, that and all your other gifts and all your other aspects of your, uh, design to your work, just as you're learning to deeper and deeper, you know, not that we do it all perfectly. You're doing it more and more each day and you're doing it more and more each day with your friends and family too. Yeah. And you actually told me recently that someone was asking you, you get this question quite a bit on your Instagram story question boxes, asking about how you found a team that's like a hundred percent aligned. So that is definitely something you've wanted to talk a little bit about on the podcast. So um, you want to kind of share how this even happened or any advice you would give someone about mm-hmm. finding a team that's aligned? Yeah. I think um it's interesting because you have to look at your design to know how you're going to find a team that's aligned. So if, for example, if you are specific, if your manifestation process is specific, then you would probably try and be more clear about what you needed or what you wanted than I was. I just knew that I needed help. <laughs> so for me being non-specific, when, and also me being a projector and me and you being a projector and, um, you know, I'll just tell the story for people who don't know how I found you. I saw you doing a, um, you did a reel on human design that I absolutely, I came across and absolutely loved. And at the time knowing I needed help with my social media, I reached out to you. We spoke about it. Just so happens that you were basically spending lockdown studying social media and getting really good at it. And you that was your prior work experience. But also just so happened that you had just taken my human design training. So you mixed the two things that were like perfectly aligned for what I needed at the time. But then I also in our calls was like, I need help with this, 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 these areas of my business. Which of these would you even be potentially interested in. So I never had like a list of something or a specific role that I needed you to fill. Um, and you said, I'll, I would do one, two and four, but not three. And then that's kind of how we rolled. So I think everyone can do with using a little bit more probably flow because logic isn't going to get you there. What's going to get you there is using your strategy and authority. So what that actually means is if you were trying to hire someone or you're trying to be hired, 
and it's right and you're a generator, you actually have to make sure that you've had that physical, visceral excitement as an involuntary response coming from your body rather than you thinking that it sounds like a good idea in your mind or trying to figure out how to get it in your mind. You actually have had to have responded for it. And I know we say strategy and authority all the time, but it it really is that simple, but you really have to do it that often. And you really have to do it with all those areas of life. And that's where the magic of it really comes alive is like, yeah, I, I've said that I was joking um, about this to you recently. Like, for me, no matter how many years I've been doing this, the lessons are always the same. The sure you go higher and higher and you become more and more aligned. But every time something goes wrong and I relearn my lesson, it's like, oh, listen to your emotions because I'm emotional authority and wait for the invitation because I'm a projector. And then just when I think I've done that in one area of my life, I'm like a new place. Listen to your emotions. Wait for the invitation. Listen to your emotions. Wait for the invitation. Listen to your emotions. Wait for the invitation. And life is just going to shine different spotlights, little mini crevices of my life where I can learn to do that more and more. And that's where I get the payoff with the alignment. So it's the same with work, but the same with everything else we're trying to do is like, wait till you're invited and listen to your emotions. I got a feel good from seeing that video. I got a feel good from speaking to you. I got a feel good when I thought about having you, you know, come and work with us. After we spoke, we had like four Zooms together where we just, we were just shooting the shit, you know, Mm -hmm. and it it passed every checkpoint. Instead of me pre-deciding in my mind, I need to make convince myself after the first time that I've seen her make a video that she's going to be the savior of my business and I'm going to pretend and make her do things I need her to do, right? Like that's not how you reach alignment. You allow people to organically flower into what they turn out to be. And if they flower away from you, that's even better because then you're not spending and wasting so much energy forcing them to be something that they're not, which they can then only be a second rate version of for you anyway, And you trust that the universe will fill the void when you just allow things to happen as they do. And, you know, this is two years ago when you started literally just doing our Instagram. Mm -hmm. And now you literally handle the back end. You, you, I mean, I don't even know what to, to, to explain. (laughs) You, you handle the entire back end of the app and you manage all the new releases and the functionality and how it works and the, the new releases and the updates and you order the courses. And I mean, you do so many things that are just not even like anything close to thinking what you thought you wanted your life to be like. You came to me thinking at the time you wanted, you had your own podcast, you wanted to be an influencer, you wanted to like wear fashion and, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, it's that it's the fact that you're so comfortable and Jane is so comfortable and I'm so comfortable in allowing life to show us where we're going And we're lucky that we all care about the same thing, that our hearts are on the same page. Um, But the rest, like, I can't guarantee anything. You can't guarantee anything. And we're not pretending to. And I think that's a really key thing. And the second key thing is we really understand each other's design. And this is where, like, I really think if anyone is trying to work together as a team, like, please, God, like, I always ask Jane, who's a generator, like, are you excited about doing this or not? Because if she's not then she's not meant to. And either that means we're not supposed to do it at all, or I'm supposed to do it, or we find someone else that does it, or we find a different way to do it that she can then feel excited about. Like there's always a hidden gift in the lack of 
strat of, of feeling your authority, right? There's always a hidden redirect that you can take. So why would we lie to ourselves? Why would we force ourselves down a path? Because we think something has to get done to get the outcome we want, when actually there might be a better way, a quicker way, an easier way, a funner way of getting to that outcome when we honor how we're actually built. And I think that's the second thing we do is that we really honor each other's different ways. Like me knowing you're a three, five, like, okay, I'm never going to send you a manual to read up on. Why would I? But I mean, Jane, we can give her all the manuals in the world and she'll, she'll have a field day. She'll be so excited. Right. (laughs) Or, you knowing, for example, that I'm, you know, you're a quad left. So you're amazing at form and structure and all this kind of stuff. You build structure for me because that's not my strength. And it feels so relieving to not have ego around, not to have to have ego around like, oh, because I'm the creator of this business, like that means I have to almost front to you as if I do have structure or me telling you what structure to build when that's your forte, I ask you. It's just better for everybody. You get better at your genius. I get high off watching how how much you elevate in that area and I find it fascinating to watch you do it instead of making myself do something that I can't even be 50% as good as, as you. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, I mean, would you agree too? because you've let me kind of be in charge of that and take ownership of that, the amount of stuff that is able to come through you is exponentially bigger than it was even when we first started working together because there's containers for it and you're not having to busy your mind with where to put everything it just comes and it comes and it comes and it comes and it comes and then I'm just like catching things in different buckets and then Mm -hmm. I'm high off that because that's what I'm good at so Mm -hmm. um I did want to say though too is that if coming from someone who got hired it's was it was um so crucial for my growth that you embraced my design and you were constantly redirecting me back to my own design and like mm-hmm. even working with you has helped me become more aligned i think it's really easy for someone to you know look at the business now or from the outside and go oh they were so aligned when jenna hired them mm-hmm. but it's also like you as a leader encouraging our alignment and trusting our alignment and trusting that if you felt in your like emotions good about me coming on then there's a there's a purpose or a reason or a perfection to me being able to fill whatever role you needed and Mm -hmm. then you just letting me blossom in what I'm good at and knowing that it was going to fill the gaps you know what I mean? 100%. 100%. And what you said is so profound because what it says is you can take the pressure, all of us can take the pressure of ourselves to figure out how to make it perfect. We just have to listen to our authority to activate the perfection to happen. Yes. Because the universe is trying to make it perfect for us. It's trying to make it joyful. It's trying to make it aligned. It's trying to make it blissful. And the only, it's like we have the inbuilt, no fail way of, of, of either la- allowing it to happen or blocking it. And if we just trust that it is as simple as listening to your gut or your emotions or your spleen or your ego, whatever your authority is, and listening to your strategy. And honestly, just studying those two things and thinking, how would that look in the area of this thing that I'm right now currently having an issue with or something that I want to make better? Just anything that is top of mind for you today. Think about how you could apply either your strategy or your authority or both in a new way to it. And that's what rewards you. And I think it's so interesting because spirituality 
we're even applying our minds too much to spirituality right now, right? Like we want to understand everything. We want to read all the books. We want to know all the knowledge. We want to know all the terms. We want to get fancy with the trauma and the aliens and the portals and the, you know, all this stuff. But actually the harder part, which is the more humble part, which is the part that the mind doesn't like is what if you already had the instruction manual and the instruction manual doesn't really change. It just like you just go round in an upward spiral of activating the same, same mechanism over and over again. It's like you have your software already installed. So you just need to repeat the software and it updates, right? And it upgrades, but the, the, the computer is still the same. So for me, it's never going to be listen to your gut, right? My, my, big challenges of my life. My karmic challenges are always going to be my karmic challenges, right? Um, so it's about kind of accepting your lot and then just working it silly, you know? And I think not enough of us are um, approaching spirituality with our bodies, right? Because that's what your authority is. It's it's trusting that your emotion is divine, that it is perfect, that there's a reason it's there right? Because we're so used to, uh, we're brought up, we're conditioned to live in a world that is so antithetical to that, which is decide your life with your mind. Even when we go into spirituality, we're trying to decide it with our minds. Spirituality is really saying, if I completely relax into the present and stop trying to pre-anticipate everything and trying to plan out my life and both of which happen with the mind, right? Try and make myself safe. Try and make these guarantees. Try and know how my life is going to pan out. Try and make the unknown known. Trying to give myself control and safety instead of saying, I'm going to understand that the universe already is um, slanted towards giving me all those things, but I don't have to know how it's going to unfold. My soul didn't come here needing to know how it was going to unfold. We live in the mystery and the mysticism and the fun of the unknown, but also relaxing and knowing that we will always be aligned, even if we can't see how something's going to pay off when we listen to our bodies, because our bodies know so much more than our minds, but our bodies don't make logical sense. They're not understandable. They're not predictable. We can't tell if we listen to the emotion today, it's going to lead to that tomorrow. We don't know that stuff. So that's why it's the adventure of a lifetime, because it's releasing the need for you to have control but what you gain is so much bigger because then you know that the universe has got you. And the more you, the more you do it and apply it, the more you see that it works. So, you know, talking about our episode where we talked about how to make change actually happen. We talked about this concept of the 0.1 is that the more you just take that leap of faith of, okay, what if I right now listen to my emotions instead of doing what my mind is telling me to do, then you see that it pays off after the first time of seeing it pay off, it becomes much easier to keep doing it. So the hardest part really is to first dare to do it when you have no prior evidence that it works, when you've been brought up to do the exact opposite. That's the bravest step. And then from there you go, okay, well, look, there was me trying to do it again for the hundredth time with my mind again, because it's, you know, 30 plus years hardwired. But you know what? I know this so many times. I've learned this lesson over and over again that life has pushed me to listen to my emotions and given me no other choice 50 other times in the last year. So, okay, universe, understood. Back to listening to your emotions on this one, you know? Yeah. And we forget. And so the spirituality is just about re-remembering every single day the right way to do life. 
and it's never the same it's never the same situation but it's always the same answer and that's what i mean by listen to your emotions wait for the invitation listen to your emotions wait for the invitation and for someone else it might be listen to your gut wait to respond listen to your gut wait to respond like whatever your two mantras are based on your strategy and your authority you just apply them every day and it's like the buffer that you create against the rest of the world's conditioning that is hitting us from every angle every single day telling us the exact opposite we live in a world that is pulling us into the mind we live in a world that is pulling us into logic and heaviness and um fitting us into a frame and homogenization if we want to live a life of mysticism and extraordinary and unknown and previously unseen and organic and magical and you know um synchronicities unfolding that we couldn't even figure out with our minds we can't use our minds to get there so it is about you being strong enough to say i am going to be the voice that speaks to myself louder than the voice of the world is going to try to today and this question that this initially started with about how do I hire a team that's 100% aligned, that question, I think, in and of itself is immediately trying to do things with the mind, you mm-hmm. know, because mm-hmm. what it, I remember the moment when I finally got out of my mind and trusted my own body that this was the right move for me. Like we had kind of for a couple months, we had talked about me going full time with you. Mm-hmm. You felt it but I wasn't ready to feel it at the time. And you never forced me, never pushed me. And then I got to that moment where, and truthfully, I can look back and say, it's, it, it's because you setting as the person doing the hiring, you setting the example of you being in your alignment and trusting you and me being able to see that it made me get to trust me. And I was able to make that decision. And then I think you as a leader too, you you don't have to try to think about me being in alignment. It's Mm -hmm. you kind of being in yours, setting the example and going, come on, you too, next to me. Like, you got it. Like, follow your um, spleen. How would you word that? Mm -hmm. Listen to your spleen, wait for the invitation. Listen to your spleen, wait for the invitation. You're asking Mm -hmm. me all the time, what does your spleen feel about it? What Mm -hmm. does your spleen feel about it? How would you naturally do it? How would you naturally do it? It's kind of, it's this kind of next to each other spinning in our own sort of world and trusting that the little like you always say the puzzle the puzzle pieces if you're in your alignment if I'm in my alignment if Jane's in her alignment and we trust that we will fit together and Mm -hmm. things will work together so it really is if you're someone hiring someone trust your own alignment and be the example for your people Mm. and you know also I don't ever know if like you said, it is a conversation that starts with the mind. Like, how do I know if it's hundred percent aligned? I don't, and I don't have to, I just have to know if it's aligned for now. If the next decision I'm making is the aligned decision, because if it is aligned decision, fine, it might change form, right? Imagine if for some reason, something happened to you and you had to move away or God knows what, and something else happened to Jane. It doesn't matter because the universe it doesn't really matter so much about the form. It matters about the content. So if I've gotten myself to a higher level of alignment in myself, anything that goes will be replaced with something that is equal to where the level of frequency I've gotten myself to. So I remember um, one of my early, early, when I first started doing Kabbalah, my, my teacher had said to me, you know, when people change their consciousness, 
that doesn't go away. You've earned that. And then you've attracted the next thing in. So she said, that's why, for example, you see, you see these cases of people who've been together for nine years and then they break up and they were never married. And then the next person, this, this woman meets after three months, they're engaged and married and whatever. I mean, obviously there's a hundred other reasons why that could happen, but she's like, when it just works and it's because of the transformation that they did in the nine years that led them up to being ready to be with a partner. And then whoever, it doesn't matter that it changed form, you know? So it's very similar with this where it doesn't really matter about outside circumstances and factors that we worry so much about controlling, whether it's people or situations. It's about how much we allow those current things in our life, the current pieces of our outside life to affect us so that we change us. And then those other things will shape shift accordingly around the change that we make internally. And we don't have to figure out how they shape shift accordingly. We are in control of how well they shape shift based on how well we shift.